This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You found the best podcast in the universe. It's September 22nd, and you're listening to The Secrets. Welcome to this podcast of The Secrets, the podcast for anyone who is serious about writing. The Secrets home can be found at www.stormwolf.com. For the next 15 minutes, we'll talk about writing and how to get you even closer to seeing your name on the spine of a book. Welcome to the fourth special edition of The Secrets. I'm Michael A. Stackpole, a published novelist and your host. I've had 38 books published to date and have five more under contract. Eight of my novels have hit the New York Times bestseller list. They were all set in the Star Wars universe. As I noted in the last installment, I make my living as a writer, and it's my desire to continue to do so that brings me to the current program. I understand that what follows may seem to many to be an embarrassment of riches. There are those who are just undertaking their first story or novel who dream someday of having the difficulties I'll go into in a bit. If you're inclined toward viewing all writing as an art, and the trials and tribulations of commercial writers as the whinings of those who've sold out, you'll want to shut the podcast off now. What follows will only drive you insane. If, on the other hand, you dream about having a career as a writer, what follows will be very important. All writers who want to see their names on the spine of a book secretly or even openly hope that they won't be a one-trick wonder. Very few, however, look at writing as a career and plan for it as a career. In the last program, I talked about the things you need to do to set yourself up for a career. Now I want you to look into the future and take a look at issues that will come at you as you progress. Writers tend to break down into four classes, and we're not talking here about drunks and pizza delivery men and, and that sort of thing. Each of these classes is determined by the number of books the author has out. The first class covers writers with zero to three books out. They're just learning the ropes. Most of their energy goes into learning how to deal with editors, how to meet deadlines, how to read royalty statements, and other pretty basic clerical stuff. It certainly is important material to master, but mastering it leaves little time for looking further down the line to position yourself for a long career. The second class of writers are those with four to seven books out. The vast majority of writers in this group have learned only one thing, how not to be in the first group. They've succeeded beyond their initial planning, but usually are not sure how that happened. They've also begun to encounter problems with fragmenting sales, editors leaving one house to go to another, horrid covers, and, and other trials that plague modern commercial novelists. Their view of publishing is shaped and skewed by their experience, and they, too, have trouble looking beyond the immediate contract to position themselves for greater success. Because it's easier today to sell a first novel than a fifth novel, many of these second-class authors are already in the twilights of their career. Those who make it into the third class, which is the career class, are the folks who have eight or more books out. They take the time to look beyond their immediate problems and plan for the future. This only makes sense. If you take two equally talented ball players and have one only think about what he's going to do in the next game, whereas the other plots a course that includes training camps, which schools he's going to go to, how he's going to get invited into tournaments where scouts show up, you pretty much know which of them is going to make it into the pro leagues. While the first kid might get there, he'll lack the skills to stay there. It's this third class we want to concentrate on, but I should mention the fourth class. These are the writers with negative one books out there. They wrote it, they submitted it, 
They might have even sold it, but it never earned out. Their whole world is bordered by bitterness because their genius was unrecognized and unappreciated. While one might be moved to pity such individuals, I'd counsel against it. They're best avoided because even if you do learn something from their story of woe, the fact that you succeed where they fail becomes a reason for them to hate you, turn on you, and otherwise be unpleasant. If you want to be a success, stick with folks who know how to succeed. You might not be able to do everything they did, but in trying to follow their path, you're going to avoid a lot of non-starter strategies that would be major setbacks. The only difficulty with any career planning strategy is simple. Success is a moving target. The path that worked 20 years ago isn't the one that will work today. Because of changes in the publishing and how books are sold, and we're not even talking about the advent of the net, every author is one sales disaster away from working in the fast food industry. Bad sales numbers on one book will affect future orders, and if an author begins to develop a negative track on sales, his career can be over. After all, it's easier for publishers to pay less to a new author for a book that might sell 20,000 units than it is for them to pay 30 grand for one that might only sell 21 or 22,000 copies. In fact, at an advance of $30,000, most science fiction novels will have to sell 60,000 copies for the author to earn out his advance. That's a lot of books. If he fails to hit his mark, well, hello McDonald's. For an author well into his career, like me, decisions have to be made as to where to go in the future. The first decision is a big one. Does the author remain in the ghetto where he is right now, or does he look to get out? In my case, I'm recognized in the science fiction and fantasy field, but not much beyond it. That said, I like mysteries and thrillers, and I know I write better than a lot of authors out there making significantly more money than I am. They make more because the genre they write in has more readers. Quality of writing can be secondary to sales in the grand marketplace for a number of reasons, all of which are immaterial at this point. The key thing is this. Writers are not paid for how well they write, but how well they sell. That's the cold reality of the game. Tom Clancy, to use one example, is a lousy writer. I'd call his characters cardboard, but I like cardboard. Why do I want to insult cardboard? While he can write a suspenseful novel, He's self-indulgent and he needs to be edited. I've no quarrel with his research, but the characters are horrible. If I never read another Jack Ryan novel, I'll not consider myself deprived. Since I've said I write better than a lot of the writers out in the thriller arena, and since they make more money than I do, the question is begged. Why don't you write a thriller? It's a valid question, and reality makes it a tough one to answer. Were I to write a thriller, I'd either have to sell an outline for it, or write the novel on spec. That is, I'd have to complete it on my own time without any prospect of a sale and see if my agent could move it. Right now I sell books based on a proposal, which usually is a document that talks about the world, the characters, and the outlines for three or four novels. Based on my track record, publishers are willing to advance me enough money to live while I'm working on the books. I mortgage the future to pay for the present which is pretty much what most commercial authors do until they hit it so big that publishers fight over whatever comes out of their pen. In the thriller arena, I have no audience. It's doubtful any publisher would buy a thriller from me based on an outline. My sales successes in science fiction and fantasy won't be considered as anything more than a curiosity. 
For all intents and purposes, I'll be a first-time author, which means I'll make first-time author money, will get first-time author promotion, and so on. Writing the book on spec is not much better. In fact, it's worse, since I'll be spending time and money writing the book that might not sell. The proposal is much less time and much less money. In the end, even if the book is taken, it'll be taken for beginner money, and that's not going to work. So, pure economic necessity makes it difficult for me to move outside the science fiction and fantasy ghetto. Were I to score a big contract or hit the lottery, then I'd be able to do whatever I wanted. Until then, science fiction and fantasy is a pair of golden handcuffs that keep me fairly close to home. And, I should note, I did write a mystery novel on spec, which never sold, despite my having eight novels on the New York Times bestseller list. Been there, done that, have the dusty manuscript box to show for it. And you can't eat dusty manuscript boxes. Another avenue that could be explored is working outside publishing, like doing a movie screenplay. Brian Polito, the creator of Lady Death and Evil Ernie, and I have completed a screenplay. Once again, we are beginners in the field. The reasons for doing a script on spec involved more than just money. I got to work with Brian, I got to learn how to do a screenplay, and it was a part-time job for the two of us. In addition to all that, because movies are a lot bigger than books, beginning money could be very nice. All that said, however, my first love is novels, so even if I were to supplement my income through screenplays and script doctoring, novels are what I really want to write. Having eliminated going outside the science fiction and fantasy genre ghetto, I now face a round of choices that cut closer to the bone. One of the things I look at when I decide on a project is whether or not it will expand my readership. This should make sense because as my audience grows, so grow my sales. As my sales grow, so grow my advances. For this reason, any project I do has to grow my audience, or at the very least, maintain it. I recently signed contracts to write some Conan novels. Aside from the fact that I've always loved the work of Robert E. Howard, the decision was a mercenary one. Simply put, the audience for Conan novels is bigger than the audience for my original fantasy novels. I know my fantasy novels will appeal to Conan fans, so getting my name in front of them isn't going to hurt one bit. In fact, it might boost my readership enough that my sales reach another level and my publishers start looking at me with new eyes. Moreover, since the Conan novels are being published by another company, and that other company might decide that they want to publish my original fantasy work as well, I could have some competition brewing for the next set of books. That next set of books, and what I'll do for them, is the crux of the problem. As I see it, I have four basic options. The first is writing a sequel to Talion Revenant. Talion Revenant was my first novel, and though it didn't see print until 11 years after it was written, I'd always planned for it to be the first book in a series. After I completed it, I started on the sequel, and then I made the first career decision of my writing life. I realized that writing a sequel to a novel that had not sold was rather dumb. It would be better for me to write another novel, a different novel, to show publishers I could do more than write series fantasy. Shortly after I made that decision, I got the offer to write a trilogy of Battletech novels for FASA, and things were off and running far faster than I ever could have expected. The one question I get asked over and over again is if I will write a sequel to Tally and Revenant. The book has been in print since 1997, which is remarkable in and of itself, and I have outlines and chapters already written for the sequel and notes on several other books. Why not do it now? 
Well, it pretty much comes back to economics. Italian Revenant hasn't sold enough copies to justify a big enough advance for a sequel. If the Italian novel were to hit 100,000 units in sales, this would not be an issue. As it is, despite being four years older than Fortress Draconis, Italian has sold fewer copies. There's no reason Bantam would pay me top dollar for a sequel. Why is getting top dollar important? The main reason is obvious. I'll be able to live to write the book. More important, however, is how the publisher sees the book. If a book they pay three grand for just dies in the stores, no one loses a job. If they pay 300 grand for a book and it tanks, heads will roll. To make sure that doesn't happen, the book will get a great cover, it'll get pushed hard, and might even get some serious money spent on promotion. Remember, it's all about sales, not the writing. The second project I could do would be more books in the world of a secret atlas. In working on its sequel, Cartomancy, I got an idea for three or four more books. The upside here is that the series is fresh and the response to it has been good. The Science Fiction Book Club picked A Secret Atlas as an alternate selection, the first for any of my original work. The only difficulty with this idea is that I still have the third book to write, and the series is so young that I don't know how well it's selling. Until I have at least preliminary numbers on it, deciding to continue with it beyond the present story is premature. Planning on doing something else, however, is not premature. When I talk to other writers, I'll ask them what they're working on. Everyone can answer that question. Then I'll ask, what are you going to be doing next? It's surprising and disappointing how many writers don't have a reply. Sure, if they've just signed a deal for a trilogy, then they might get a pass on the question. But when you're one book out from the end of a deal, you should already be planning the next move. If you don't, you lose valuable time to read the market and plan sufficiently to position yourself advantageously. The third project I could work on would involve creating a new world. The fact is, I like new worlds. Creating them is fun and writing in them stops me from being bored. I've even begun the preliminary research for a new world and the world is coming into focus. While new worlds are fun, they're also a risk. What if the readers don't like the new world? They might stay away in droves. Worse yet, what if the publisher doesn't like the new world? And what if the world doesn't hold together and I'm committed to writing three books in it? That's like a life sentence. On the whole, I don't mind running those risks. The demands of creating a new world makes it fun. Since world creation and character creation are inextricably linked, as the subscribers to The Secrets know, world creation is part and parcel of creating the story. For that reason, this option looks really good to me. The fourth option is very attractive as well, and that's to write more books in the world of the Dragon Crown War. Aside from my Star Wars novels, the Dragon Crown War books are my best-selling novels. The gorgeous covers by Cerula Cabral helped immeasurably, as did the hunger for new stories created by the long lag between novels by Robert Jordan and George R. R. Martin. I was also doing pretty good work in them, hitting my marks and coming up with some fun stuff that I'd not originally anticipated putting in those books. There's certainly a lot of story to tell in those books. While the immediate crisis concerning the Dragon Crown was resolved in the novels, the threat it presents is by no means over. The crown still exists, the Oromais are still trapped in the heart of the world, and human politics always makes the future uncertain. In addition to that, the story of how the Dragon Crown came to be created would be interesting. Prequel and sequel novels could be woven together and provide plenty of stories.
As you've already guessed, the sales for these books would make the world a good candidate for further storytelling. This actually works in three ways. First, my publisher would likely at least match the last offer I got for a series, or bump it slightly, and that would work for me. It would work better if they bumped it a whole boatload, but you know, any raise is good, especially in this economy. I'd also push for hardcover publication, since I really need that if I'm going to reach another level. The books do have an audience, so sales of the new books would be solid. The second revenue stream comes from the sale of backlist books. Backlist means old in book speak. New books, or frontlist books, in that world will drive sales of the older books. The new books will be the first introduction to the world that some folks have, so they'll buy the previous books just to get caught up on things. This will keep the backlist books in print longer, and since they will have earned out their advances, sales will send money in my direction immediately. The third revenue vector comes from foreign sales. When Bantam bought the first set of Dragon Crown War books, they offered me about 30% less than I really wanted. They were stuck on that dollar amount, so I asked them to return the foreign rights for Once a Hero, Eyes of Silver, and Tally and Revenant to me. The foreign sales for those books, in addition to the four Dragon Crown War novels, more than made up the deficit. My foreign publishers have done very well with the Dragon Crown War books, and they are very interested in seeing more books in that series. The income from Europe, especially with the dollar being so weak against the euro, could equal or exceed the money I get paid by my US publisher. While the foreign publishers likely would buy any other series I did, they'd not pay as well as they would for more Dragon Crown War books. Given that I like the Dragon Crown War world, that I can easily see more stories that need telling there, and that I'll get paid pretty well for writing those books, what would be the reasons I'd not choose to pursue this avenue? A moment ago I mentioned the golden handcuffs of the science fiction ghetto, and they could get uncomfortably tight. We've all seen countless authors who get locked into one series and can't seem to succeed with anything else. Pretty much everybody knows that Arthur Conan Doyle killed Sherlock Holmes, and that Ian Fleming killed James Bond. Yet both of them had to bring their signature characters back to life because of popular demand. While I love the Dragon Crown War world, I don't want to be stuck writing there forever, and I do run that risk. I also get taken back to the basic question that began this discussion. Will doing more Dragon Crown War books expand my audience? The answer there is an unqualified maybe. While I might not sell books to any new readers, the universe of folks who are interested in that sort of fiction is defined by the sales of Tolkien, Jordan, Donaldson, and George R. R. Martin. I've got barely a fraction of the readership, so putting more books out that appeal to those folks is a good way to pull them in. I've honestly made no decision yet as to what I'll be doing, but that will have to change in a month or so. You're all more than welcome to come over to tsfpn.com, the sci-fi podcast network, and hit the Secrets Discussion Forum to offer your opinions about what I should do, or to ask for clarification on any of the points raised herein. This is a lot to ponder. You might be thinking that someday you'd like to have to wrestle with this sort of problem, but if you actually let yourself think that, you never will. My problem, as outlined above, is your problem. It's one of positioning yourself for the future. If you're not looking at how you grow your audience, you're never going to consider all the elements a story needs to grow that audience. By refusing to plan for the future, you make having a future a lot more difficult. Having a career and making it work for you isn't rocket science, 
but neither is it fairy dust and moonbeams. There comes a point where all the talent in the world smacks face first into the realities of the marketplace. A millennia ago, the dilemma would be whether or not I'd get the supper I just sung for. Now it involves mortgage payments, food budgets, and gasoline. Little application of the creative energy that goes into writing can go a long way into solving this problem and any other you may run into. This is Michael A. Stackpole. Thanks for listening to The Secrets. My homepage is www.stormwolf.com. There you can learn more about The Secrets newsletter and subscribe through the Katrina Relief Offer. Response to it's been really generous so far, and I'm hoping you'll continue to benefit others as you benefit your career. This program is copyright 2005 by Michael A. Stackpole. I'll be back in a week or so. Good luck with your writing.